a long time ago on a spinner rack far, far away. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 61, Ben's Bullpen Bulletin, for cover date May 1978, featuring issue number two for Machine Man and Devil Dinosaur. Hello and welcome back to the Marvel's Cosmic Comics podcast feed from Comic Book Time Machine. And this is our last journey back to February 1978, where we are taking a look at comics that are cover dated May 1978. And we have finished talking about the comics that were uh, under this licensed uh, science fiction subcategory that, that I've chosen to focus on for this feed. And we are going to be looking at the inside of the book now, as far as the ads that were featured, the Marvel's bullpen bulletin that was in there. And we'll also be taking a look at some of the other uh, comics that were coming out that month, especially uh, two that we'll take a close look at, which is Machine Man issue number two and Devil Dinosaur issue number two. Both of them are Jack Kirby books that are related to the uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey series that Jack Kirby did, uh, Machine Man being a direct sequel spinoff from that book and devil dinosaur just kind of picking up on some of those prehistory themes and maybe i'm you know reading more into it than than jack kirby intended but i see it as a spiritual uh sequel spinoff to the 2001 book and also it's jack kirby and i want to spend a little more time with the the craziness the muscular powerful craziness of some of, of what Kirby was doing with 2001. I really enjoyed that. Uh, you know, some of these books that I'll be looking at, I'm never going to return to. I'm never going to look at again once I finished reading through the run. Um, Human Fly is probably going to fit into that category. But 2001, that is a series that I will, I, I will enjoy going back to at some point in time. I don't know when, I don't know why, it'll probably just be when I'm sitting down, bored, need something to do, that might be what I choose to do if it's easily accessible. So to start with, let's take a look here at Mike's Amazing World of Comics, where I can put in the date and see what else was on the, on the shelves as we went back in time to February 1978. Does anyone else have any trouble saying February? I always feel like I'm saying it wrong. <clears throat> anyway, February 1978, we had uh, Darth Vader on the cover of the Drive Yourself Crazy Idiot Special. And I haven't had a chance to take a look and see what he actually is doing inside the issue, if he even was in the issue. Uh, what else do we have going on here? We have, uh, man, I, I, I see the gold key stuff and I just... 
Gold Key just had some fantastic covers. The painted covers, even when, you know, like the Star Trek one where they just don't look right. But they, they just have some fantastic looking covers. But uh, anyway, there, there's not a whole lot of, of stuff that, that I really want to talk about. I mean, there's the, obviously the regular issues. And then there's, you know, uh, Hanna-Barbera's Dynamut that Marvel was publishing. And, you know, the, the Hanna-Barbera licensed stuff I really just didn't want to get into. Although, I guess, strictly speaking, part of the... And the, uh, the Man from Atlantis even being a comic is because uh, Hanna-Barbera was working with Marvel on on things like Dino Mutt and Scooby-Doo and, and the Flintstones and all that kind of thing. But the other thing that was I found kind of funny is uh, Gold Key published uh, the, the new Croft Super Show featuring that Bigfoot thing. I mean, I... <laughs> Uh, researching Bigfoot, I see this Bigfoot cartoon, or that cartoon, a uh, live action Saturday morning show. And then what should, what should appear in the, the cover gallery from, from Mike's amazing world of comics, but cross super show with a picture of Bigfoot. And I'm, I'm telling you, man, that Bigfoot costume and in those credits when he's jumping around, he looks awesome. Just plain awesome. I, I wish I knew if if they did that because they had seen, uh, you know, the, the Bigfoot character appear on on the Six Million Dollar Man or something like that, because it really looks like the that um, Bigfoot and Wild Boy show was basically Six Million Dollar Man type of stories where they're going around and helping people, but then it's just it's Bigfoot and a Tarzan ripoff. So uh, anyway, looking through here, I, I'm still impressed by all the Archie books, Archie, uh, this is kind of funny. Yeah. Just in this month alone, Archie and me, number 100, Archie annual digest, number 32, Archie comics digest, number 29, Archie's girls, Betty and Veronica, number 268, Archie's girls, Betty's and Ver Betty and Veronica issue 269, Archie's joke book magazine, 243, Archie's joke book magazine, 244, Archie's pals and gals, number 122, Archie's TV laugh out, number 57. Good grief. So that's about all I'm going to do with, with Mike's Amazing World here, looking at the, the other uh, comics that would have been on the racks at the same time as the ones that we're looking at today. Now I'm going to take a look at what's inside the ads. And we've talked about some of these ads before. Uh, there's the inside front cover says, like being bored. And it shows a really bored looking Sue Storm and Captain America standing right next to her yawning. And then it says, don't read this. And that's a thing in Spider-Man looking really excited. And it's for Pizzazz magazine. And I'm just, there's a lot of text in this ad. And I'm just thinking to myself, boy, they're trying to sell this on something that it's not at all going to be a boring experience. But then there's so much text on the page for the ad. The ad itself is a pretty boring experience. And then they have, uh, there's a Slim Jim ad, Satisfy Your Meat Tooth. And it's the one with, uh, with the Wolfman this time, he's he's chewing, he's slamming into a Slim Jim. Uh, the Adventures of Grit Boy, uh, trying to get people to to sell grit, uh, whatever that little grit newspaper or something was. It's a little comic and just kind of this kind of nerdy looking kid trying to sell things and, and winning his, his free prizes. There's an exciting offer for Earthlings. Hey kids, be the first on your planet to join the most exciting fan club in the history of the galaxy. The official Star Wars fan club. Uh, let's see, five five dollar membership fee uh, gets you a 
heat transfer for a t-shirt, embroidered jacket patch, self-stick color de decal, a Star Wars book cover. You remember doing that, book covers? Uh, I didn't ever have book covers. I just used uh, paper grocery bags. They work nicely. A newsletter, a membership card, an 8x10 color photo, a wallet size photo. A wallet size photo. That's not your membership card either. That's that's a Star Wars picture to put in your wallet. And a 20 by 28 color poster. Moving on, there is a, you know, you have your flea market pages and... There's another Marvel Collector's Comics. They have even more sets that are available from last time. There's a bodybuilding ad. Always you know, a classic staple. Uh, get Rich and Famous. There's also customizing cars, vans, cycles, buggies, inside and out. More of the uh, flea market stuff. Lots more of the flea market stuff. And... Uh, we'll get back to the Twinkie thing here. They have that spy one. I think I talked about this one before where it's uh, Secret Agent Spy Scope. Special price, $3. Enjoy thrilling views up to seven miles away. And the thrilling view that the person who's using it is using it to see is he's standing there while next to a lake is a dude and a lady in their bathing suits with a blanket. And he is about to spy on them. What are they saying you should do with this thing? Then there's Olympic Sales Club Incorporated, which that was one of those that I always used to look at and just kind of be jealous of the prizes you could win, knowing that I never would. Uh, although I think I mentioned this before in one of these, uh, there's a hair dryer in there as one of the things you could win. A cheeseburger radio. And there's, uh, let's see, Johnny Bench selling baseball bats and, and baseball gloves. So if you move back to the Marvel bullpen bulletin, you see Stan Lee talking about uh, he was lecturing at Virginia Polytech University. And it's kind of an interesting little story. I'm not sure what he means by it, uh, by including it here. But he says, a young professor walked up and asked me why I changed the old soapbox. I didn't know what he meant. I never changed my column, I told him. I've always used it to keep in touch with my bosses, the mighty minions of Marveldom. Well, that professor then uh, goes on to to say that the Stan soapbox used to be a place where he uh, used to be a place where you really leveled with us, where we'll, we discuss the philosophy of comics, movies, or whatever grabbed us. It was a place to get together, let our hair down, and get to know each other better. But now it's like a TV commercial. You're always selling something. He shook his head and sighed. I miss the old time soapboxes, but I guess they'll never come back. Wow, after he left, I nearly plopped down and thought about what he said. And you know something? He was dead right. I realized I was huckstering our books, TV shows, and assorted products and paraphernalia right here in my column. But where is it written that a fella can't see the light? I promise myself that from now on, the soapbox will be a place where we can yak about anything that comes to mind with emphasis on comics. I'll leave the hard sell to the ad pages where it belongs. So let me now abjectly apologize to one and all for my excess of exuberance that may have made me pitch too many wares. Starting next ish, we're gonna grab, we're, we're gonna swap stories, gossip, and points of view. And you won't even read, you won't even need your wallet, even if it means less bread for us. At least we'll starve with class. Excelsior, Stan. Then Stan Lee goes on in the with the item, the news items. Uh, he talks about. In Great Britain, they had some uh, 
awards ceremony and Howard the Duck won favorite new comic, favorite humor comic, humor comic, and Steve Gerber and John Buscema uh, won favorite single comic book story uh, with a Howard the Duck story. Conan the Barbarian uh, got favorite comic book character. Savage Sword of Conan was declared favorite dramatic comics magazine. Chris Claremont was voted favorite British comics writer for Captain Britain, and X-Men was named best dramatic comic. Beyond that, it's just a lot of things talking about uh, new hires and, and other other comics that they really wanted to promote, like the Spider-Man pocketbook number two and the Marvel Treasury edition spotlighting the Defenders. The Twinkie ad is Thor meets a glutton for gold. And it is a Twinkie ad, but it's... <laughs> uh, golden Asgard has been less golden of late due to the mysterious disappearances of much of its gold. And uh, Gud, Gudrun the Golden is gathering all the gold, but of course Twinkie being that golden sponge cake, he, uh, they use that to defeat him. So uh, Now to talk about Machine Man, the living robot. Or maybe we should start with Devil Dinosaur. You know, Devil Dinosaur... No, let's let's do Machine Man. Both Devil Dinosaur and Machine Man. Uh, it's kind of funny because Machine Man on the cover it says second sensational issue, and then it spoils the big climax in the middle of the magazine. Uh, Devil Dinosaur is second senses shattering issue, and also gives away a kind of cool th- surprise that that could have been. It talks about the war with the Spider God. So, yeah, you know what? Let's let's start with Devil Dinosaur. And Devil Dinosaur, the, the story is uh, taking up right from where we left off last time, where Devil Dinosaur with Moonboy on his back is rushing into a, a trap. It's one of those pits with spikes in it that the um, the evil cavemen have, have left for them. And uh, you see that front page, that first page as they're jumping. And then you turn to the second page. It is this awesome Jack Kirby double page splash of Devil Dinosaur and Moon Boy going over the spikes, maybe onto the spikes, and all of the uh, the other cavemen that are from like the Dark Valley or whatever. They're they're uh, just looking really menacing, holding their spears. But as you continue with the story, he jumps beyond the spikes, and then his tail kind of swipes and destroys them. Meanwhile, the, the leader of them, Seven Scars, orders an avalanche, and Devil Dinosaur is completely covered by rock, and Moon Boy is thrown away from Devil Dinosaur. He's separated from Devil Dinosaur and captured, and he's trapped, uh, and he is then placed in kind of like a, actually like in, in a King Kong, where they have two posts, and then they have him tied, uh, one arm to each post. And he's being sacrificed to a giant spider god that lives in a cave. And by giant, it, it's enormous. It's, it means person size. Meanwhile, uh, Dare, uh, Daredevil, I wrote DD in my notes. It's Devil Dinosaur, not Daredevil. Uh, an Iguanodon attacks Devil Dinosaur, but Devil Dinosaur just tries harder, as we've talked about before. Pushes himself out of the rocks, bursts forth, fights, destroys that Iguanodon. And then goes to save moon boy and he gets a torch uh from uh, the the fire forest and he comes and starts sets this ring of fire around them this is a tyrannosaurus uh, rex that is walking around with a torch uh with fire f- uh bursting from the edge of it in his mouth and he sets this this fire around everyone and 
then surrounded by fire, uh, he uh, he's in there with with these guys, and he crushes uh, seven scars, and then uh, gets Moonboy, jumps over the fire. The fire is closing in on all the cavemen, and they have nowhere to go other than the cave that contains that giant spider god. Now, we don't see a uh, final battle between Devil Dinosaur and the spider. That's what I expected. Uh, instead, he just uses fire as a weapon and traps them all in there with the spider. And then <laughs> you see uh, sound effects of all of their screams as they die. And then in the final panel of the issue, we see a uh, face of someone who is watching them has his eye on them. Every legend has its roots somewhere in the dim past. This is the next issue blurb. Before Samson, Hercules, and Mighty Thor, there must have been the giant, which you can assume that that person who's watching them go away in victory is the giant. So, I, I, you know, this is one, it's, it's very simplistic, but it's the artwork that really gets me on, on this devil dinosaur stuff. The simplicity of the stories, the simplicity of just, you know, trying to survive and what, you know, doing what it takes, the ridiculousness of the giant dinosaur with a torch in his mouth. You know, I, I can look past all of that because it's the story doesn't matter as much to me. The story is the means of getting the artwork to me. The story is the fork that gets the spaghetti to my mouth the spaghetti is the artwork and it is wonderful wonderful to behold in the dinosaur dispatches uh there's this lengthy writing by jack kirby again and he's just talking about how there were giants in those days there were also smaller animals and you know it basically says write to me gives his thousand oaks california address where you can get <laughs> send your letter directly to him so that's Devil Dinosaur. Machine Man is also, it's a pretty quick read. I mean, all of these things that we've been reading this month, they're all 17 pages for 35 cents. And Machine Man, uh, the story is, is actually called House of Nightmares. Um, he doesn't end up in a house, but there are nightmares that are happening. And, uh, it starts out he's dreaming he he has if you remember last issue he was being chased by the military and his legs were damaged and so he had to you know pop out the tank treads in his arms to pull himself away from them well now he's unconscious he dreams that his face is being removed the military are following him his legs are out of commission so he walks very slowly to a garage where he buys uh, tires from the owners. And the way he pays for them is by taking rocks and squeezing them and heating them and cooling them, turning them into diamonds. Meanwhile, Dr. Spaulding, the psychologist who gave him a ride in the first issue, is uh, with a patient, but then they come, uh, they interrupt that meeting and say that patient zero is talking again. So he runs in, he leaves his patient behind <laughs> and runs to patient zero who's shouting this science lingo gibberish type of stuff. Cut back to Machine Man and the military has found him. But he bursts out of the garage where he has turned himself into 
a tricycle. Uh, this is actually is kind of cool, uh, a little bit. Uh, he has a rod that goes through his ankles and has the front two wheels, and then he has a rod that kind of comes out his backside with the back wheel, and then he has these these handlebars that that come up that he's holding on to. But he's turned himself into a vehicle, and if it wasn't on the cover, it would have a really really cool uh, reveal of what he was doing in, in that garage, but it was on the cover is already spoiled. Uh, he escapes though. And he goes to Dr. Spaulding and says, you said you'd take me in. And Dr. Spaulding says, sure. Uh, you can have a place to stay, but then their conversation gets interrupted. So apparently Dr. Spaulding just has lots of interruptions, but their conversation gets interrupted by an interstellar transmission. And it turns out the crazy man who's been shouting this scientific gibberish He's actually getting messages from space about a spaceship that is falling into the sun. The crazy guy is not crazy at all. So this again, this is Jack Kirby, his pseudoscience fiction stuff that he's doing. And it's really, you know, if if Devil Dinosaur for me is all about the art, Machine Man for me is all about the concept uh, that and how Jack Kirby is going to play with the concept, um, the the idea that Machine Man can dream. He doesn't know how. He doesn't know why. Uh, he shouldn't be able to, but he has very sophisticated circuitry, and so he does. He dreams, and he's. I mean, it's his his cybernetic brain cycling through these things that he's afraid of. What is he afraid of? He's afraid of losing his identity, and. You know, the the scene, I don't know if Jack Kirby intended what I'm about to say, but it fits whether he intended to or not. These rocks that are being turned into diamonds, that's him. You know, he's something that was rough and raw and undefined, and then he has become a diamond. He has, he has gained an identity, and he is someone now. He is somebody. So the final page, uh, page 31 of the book, but you know, really page 17 of the story, we find out that, um, you know, in room zero with patient zero, he's yelling because they finally figured out what it is. And, you know, the, the ship that's in the sun, there's lots of Kirby crackle. It's kind of cool. You don't know exactly what's going on, but he starts screaming at last. You finally understand. I must be taken from this doomed vessel. He's speaking for the alien. And he says, it can be done only one way. I'll show you, you how to bring me to your world. And then the final panel there says, so stand by for the super villain of the century. 10 for the mean machine. I have no idea what this means. So is the alien is 10-4 the supervillain of the century? Is he on that ship? 10-4 spelled T-E-N-F-O-R. Not 10-4, good buddy. But 10-4, good pun on something. I don't know. The mean machine. So we have machine man and then we have this mean machine. But um, the, the thing I'm going to leave you with though here is just to kind of get back into that, that Kirby mode and... I didn't want to read the devil dinosaur writing that, that Kirby did, but this machine mail one that he did, I, I, I don't know. There's just something about when Jack Kirby sits down to write an essay about these, these sci-fi ideas. 
title is A Persecuted Machine. It's not an odd notion. You've seen the dramatic situation arising from the background of our sterling principal character. His existence is not only in the hands of man, but is also threatened by its very creators. Science, like Pandora's box, has released a marvel too hot to handle. What's more, the chief advocate of Machine Man's extinction is a vengeful and determined Javert, who, who will track his prey to the ends of the earth. That's only for openers. There's also the question of we the people. The human swarm in which the new fish must swim. Are we friend or foe? Will we help machine man or turn him in? We're not angels, you know, and we're not devils either. Individually, we may react differently to a foreign object in our midst. But in the last analysis, when we realize the potential and power of this newcomer, we may well give in to our fears and join the howling pack in an attempt to reduce him to harmless hardware. There isn't a computer anywhere that will cause uneasiness among the people who program it. But show me one that walks and talks and protests for equal rights, and I'll show you one frightened artist writer. What is the right and wrong of this premise? Where does the good and evil lie? If machine man exhibits humanity, isn't it incumbent upon us to extend our own to him? Not necessarily so. Humanity is a structure of wide range, and compassion is not the only item in the package. To be human is to be many things. Hitler as well as Gandhi. Mobster as well as judge. Ignorant as well as learned. We're all a kaleidoscope of conditioning and emotions both volatile and placid. We've burned witches in the past as well as in the present. So why should we stop with machine man? Our past performances demonstrate our eagerness to rid ourselves of what we consider an impending threat. Machine man's pursuit of a place among humans is like building a house on an iceberg at the equator. Let's face it, we've always been constant trouble to ourselves as well as others. Humans are going to give machine man a hard time of it. We're going to make him jump from one frying pan into another fire. But the intriguing part of the entire premise is that is what he will do when his back is finally against the wall and decides to strike back. Now, that's the facet of the machine man story worth following when he gets his dander up and activates his weapon systems. Why, that's when the lid may blow and singe our backsides. Machine man is worth watching and reading. He's a tin man with all of humanity on his back. If you've got your own views on this situation, feel free to write. The address is Jack Kirby, Thousand Oaks, California. (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know who he was writing that for. I don't know if that's like part of his initial pitch or something. I mean, he's basically explaining what he's trying to do. And that's, I mean, that's pretty clear, but I don't know who he's explaining it for. If it was intended for the readers, because basically he's trying to say, you just read something worth reading. I'm going to sell you on it after you're done with it, basically. So I think the last thing I really have to say about uh, machine man and really about our coverage of May 1978, is that I was in the toy aisle right after Christmas, and you know what I saw? A Machine Man toy, part of the Marvel Legends line. I came very close to buying it, very, very close. Uh, Man, I mean, I like getting 
you know, trinkets of things that I'm into. And uh, Machine Man is definitely something I'm feeling into right now. I, I didn't get it, though. I, I left it on the shelf. And, and I kind of regret it a little bit. But, you know, Marvel Legends, they're expensive toys. And so I chose I chose to leave that one on the shelf. I, I, would, I don't know what I would do with it anyway. Um, I guess I do have a place I could put it eventually. But I, I'm not planning on buying it anytime soon. But that ends the coverage of May 1978 cover date. And next episode actually is going to be something a little bit different. I'm going to look at the three hardcover releases of the Star Wars movie adaptations. I'm actually going to start uh, in in both feeds for this, the, the Comic Book Time Machine where the longer episodes gets placed and the Marvel Cosmic Comics feed where the shorter episodes get placed. Uh, I'm, I'm going to start covering modern Marvel Star Wars books. I'm not going to cover anything else really as far as modern comics in this particular series, I guess. But I, I am going to start covering the new stuff. And so I'm, I'm actually, to start the new stuff, I'm, I'm actually starting with something that's old, the three mo- movie adaptations that Marvel did with that original license. And then moving into some of the new stuff that ties into uh, the, the new continuity and the new canon with, uh, say, you know, things like Shattered Empire and, and Princess Leia. And I'll be covering those as graphic novels come out. And so I do have some catch-up that I do need to play. But not not a lot. And I'll have some time. And I might try to do something different. I don't know if I'll bring in try and bring in a, a co-host or, or what. Uh, but just to make it a little bit different, a little bit special. But, I you know, th- this feed, I, I do want to cover as much Star Wars as I can. And I'm telling you, you know, Star Wars The Force Awakens, it got me excited about Star Wars. I... I'm even more excited, I should say, about Star Wars. I already was excited. I'm I'm enjoying what I'm doing here with these old comics, but that movie, it got me excited. So that's all I have to say, really, and I want to thank you for listening. And uh, after that special episode, we'll we'll jump into the the next round of of, uh, the Marvel-licensed sci-fi books from the 70s. So thank you for listening, everyone. And as you're out there flying among the stars or... Uh, trying to find your place in this world as some sort of machine being or riding your red giant dinosaur wherever you are, wherever you're going. Godspeed. Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. You can find more discussion of many, many more comics like Superman and Spider-Man, What Ifs and Elseworlds, The Six Million Dollar Man and Batman, comics seven days old and seven decades old, on our main feed, which you can find on iTunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com. We'd also love it if you join us on Facebook at facebook.com or on Twitter, where we are at Comic Time. Next episode, Devil Dinosaur's second senses-shattering issue and Machine Man the Living Robot's second sensational issue.